going on happy monday night happy april welcome to another fun edition of chips and dish i of course am your now smooth as a baby's buttocks faced chip keggy aka chip for the birds live on twitter facebook and youtube what is going on i am joined tonight i'm very excited tonight i'm joined by all about the birds writer jason what is going on my friend what's up brother I, we, I'm we, totally psyched to be on this show, man. Like, this is the first time I'm guesting on any show, so I'm like, I'm absolutely blown away. I'm I'm excited to have you, and it's funny that uh, I'm looking at the comments as they roll in. And Johnny, I have to wait for that, but Johnny has a comment queued up. You can tell he was he was researching and he copied. Look, I'm just going to show everybody this real quick. Johnny did his research to put this comment up here. So we're going to get to the trial of Aaron Nola in a little while. Um, on the All About the Birds show last Wednesday night, uh, I made a statement that I do not believe that Aaron Nola is an ace yet. Um, needless to say, some people disagreed with me, and 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 Jason was one of them. So I invited him to, uh, to enter my arena and debate with me. Um, so we're going to get to that. We're, we're going to get to that. Jason, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? Because you do some pretty cool things outside of just, you know, debating with me. Well, yeah. So uh, basically, uh, I met all you guys from All About the Birds uh, on Twitter. But uh, yeah, so I have my own podcast called Sports and Metal. Uh, I do that with my best friend, Aaron. We've been best friends since we were four. Uh, we're in our 40s. So basically great great duo uh you know we have great chemistry because we you know best friends he's a Mets fan he's a Dolphins fan Ooh. I'm a Phillies Ooh. fan and I'm an I'm an all Philly fan so okay. obviously we have our 
battles, but, um, you know, he's my best friend, love him to death. And, uh, we started this thing back in June and kind of started to take off and I, we wouldn't be where we're at if not for you guys. So I love it. I, I need I to it. give you guys that shout out. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm stoked to be here. I love what I do. I love having fun and, you know, podcasts are fun and, you know, they're just, it's a good time. So thank you for I dig it. I dig it, man. Thanks for, thanks for joining me. I mean, we, uh, like I said, this all started with a, a moderate debate on an Eagles podcast show. And now it's centered around as everyone can see the background and the red, uh, April, you know, surrounding us. I mean, we're, we're going to get into it. Um, I want to remind everybody that the entire all about the birds network is partnered with a couple people. We got a shout out real quick. So we're, we're sponsored by hemp bombs, Hempbombs.com. Promo code is AAT birds for 20% off. Chips and Dish especially, but All About the Birds Network is also partnered with 99jersey.com again, 99jersey.com, AAT Birds, 20% at checkout. And our newest sponsor is manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. 20% off free shipping, same code AAT Birds. So we'll be reminding you guys about that over the course of the night. There, we paid the bills. Let's get into it. We're going to start off. Because this is the All About the Birds Network. We're going to start off with the Eagles. And the big news from the Philadelphia Eagles this week was some people changed numbers. I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be bored by the Philadelphia Eagles for once. Uh, thoughts on number one, Jalen Hurts? Um, <laughs> honestly, I'm not a big numbers guy. So to okay. me, it really doesn't – it really didn't like – mean anything to me uh you know i heard some people uh mentioning that you know it's possibly a dig at carson i i I don't know how or why (laughs) that that would happen but how how um, can you make that stretch how can you make that leap because carson Wentz changed his numbers so therefore jalen hurts changed his numbers so therefore jalen hurts is showing off to carson Wentz that he can also change a number you know how people think though chip you know how but, people are, man. <laughs> but why make drama if there's no need for – he changed his number. Now, that's talk about, But talk about the history of it. Like he's the first non-special teams player to wear it. Okay. I, I can see that. I can see that. But he wore it in college. Like it's not a big de- – this is not a big deal. Oh, I agree. But I just <laughs> – I, I did hear a ton of that. I, I don't I don't get it. Because people I mean, look for drama, man. <laughs> Uh, you, you think? Uh, yeah, <laughs> we're, I do. We're, we're known for that in Philly, right? I mean, Philly Twitter is it, sometimes filled with drama. <laughs> so, all right, let's 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 try and make let's try and make something out of this, right? Because again, we do a podcast. Let's try and make some drama out of it. Is it showing arrogance by saying that he's number one and he's now QB one? Is are, is he trying to plant something in our brains there? If, I mean, it could be. I, I think. I don't think knowing what I know about Jalen Hurts, I don't think he has to do that because in his mind, you could tell the way that he carries himself on the field, mm-hmm. that he has that swagger and he believes in himself. I mean, from all the reports, he's one of the best leaders that there were in college yeah. football. And, and if that's the case, I, for one, feel very happy that we have this guy. And, and I think a lot of people are going to be shocked. I said this on you know, one of my episodes. I, I, I think, Honestly, I think Jalen Hurts is a lot better than people are giving him credit. Okay. And I also think that 
you know, if you looked at some of the ways that the Eagles made their moves already with these trades, mm-hmm. like trading for, you know, that, you know, moving back, I think if they were dead set on taking a quarterback this year, there's no way they made that trade back. I right. think, I, I do think that maybe in their minds, they're still not 100% sold on Jalen Hurts. And that's why they kind of, Made the trade. They shouldn't be because he had a four between the half of the, the Packers game and, and the half of the Washington football team game. He played a total of four games. That's not enough to hand him the keys to the franchise. And part of the mistake that the Philadelphia Eagles made with Carson Wentz is they said, okay, random kid from North Dakota, here, your QB1, here's your big contract, here's whatever you want, whatever you want. And he wasn't ready for it. So I feel like Holding back a little bit and saying, hey, you have to earn it is reasonable. I think the difference between Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz is Jalen Hurts actually believes he can earn it and is going to just shut up and earn it. Dude, you just hit it on the head. Like, that's the big difference. He's confident Carson's not. And and listen, I was the biggest Carson Wentz. I I was like a fanboy. I really was. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have three of his jerseys still. I'm I'm not going to be one of these nuts that gets rid of them or burns them. I'm I, I probably will donate them because I believe in that. Yeah. But, um, I I was a diehard Carson Wentz fan, but I got to be honest. Like, I was totally proven wrong in how I felt towards the guy, and it has nothing to do with his skill or athletic yeah. ability because I believe that he could be a top 10 quarterback in the league. Now, and this, I might be getting a little ahead of myself, but this kind of is going to go into somewhat of my argument. I'm just going to use that as a precursor for the normal. Because I'm going to do the same thing. I'm excited that you're doing this. I don't, because if you really look at every sport in pretty much every position, there's only a handful of players that can call themselves elite. Yes. Okay. So there's a giant difference between someone being elite and being great. Okay. And then there's also a difference between someone being great and being good. And then there's, you know, a giant drop off from, from that point. So I think Carson Wentz has the ability to be a top 10 quarterback. Does that, is that, is that, does that mean Carson Wentz is a terrible quarterback or that he's bad? No, it means that not every quarterback is an Aaron Rodgers or a Pat Mahomes. They're just not. If they were, then why do you think so many teams want quarterbacks? And why do you think so many times teams draft quarterbacks and then they have to go back to the hole again? Look at the Jets. They just traded Darnold. I'm at that. I think I'm back. I'm back. All right. Looks like I'm going to have a Wi-Fi issue now, but we're all right. Yeah, but I I hear your point. And the the big thing for me is we're so quick, especially in Philadelphia – to just say, hey, this guy, this guy's great. This guy, he's the second coming. He's not. He's not yet. You have to, especially with the shift from college to the pros, or in the NBA's case, from high school to the pros, or that one year out, you have to get, with the rare exceptions, you have to give players a chance to develop into their greatness. Carson Wentz, by his second season, was told, you're the starter. You're going to be this. You're going to be that. He wasn't ready. And maybe he will be great, but he can't be great here. It takes a different kind of mentality to be great here. And he's not there yet. 
That's definitely true. I mean, in Philly, it's a it's a, it's a different animal. I, I think he'll probably, if he's going to do well, he'll do it in a uh-huh. city like Indianapolis. Right. He's gonna have Not no, as big of a market. Right. He's gonna have nowhere near the amount of pressure and you know not that their fans aren't not that they're going to be not be crazy if he does bad but he will not have the same scrutiny that he had in, in this kind of a market and that's just a fact I mean and, and that that kind of ties into the the breaking news the big news from the day which is Sam Darnold was just traded out of New York to Carolina big market where he was heavily scrutinized because he's played the same position as Joe Namath. And he's now gone to Carolina, which is going to be a better situation for him. Oh, most definitely. I mean, he's going to Carolina where he had, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, when he's healthy, is one of the He's got better best. weapons for one. Uh, I mean, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, they got Curtis Samuel. Mm-hmm. Like, he's definitely got a load of more weapons. Uh, I believe their offensive line is actually very decent. Uh-huh. I would have to actually probably do more homework on that, but right. just off the cusp, I know. Obviously, they have a good young coach. And it's I funny. Mean, I read somewhere today that Matt Rule, when he was interviewing, um, actually like virtually met with um, Sam Darnold and really liked him. And now it's like, well, that's the kind of guy I'd want to build a team around. So now he gets to. Now I, I worry what it means for for Teddy Bridgewater. Like he he's not going to be the backup again. He and I don't think he's sh- like he's earned a chance to start in this league. Um, I look at Teddy Bridgewater, and he would have been an outstanding backup quarterback here because then you can build the same type of offense for both of the quarterbacks. I think that the the conversation between Flacco and Hurts, it's a different offense you would have to install. Yeah, and I, I I heard you actually on a couple other episodes talking about the same subject, and I I was always in agreement with you. Yeah, that they should have brought in, like I, honest to God, I thought they were going to bring in like Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, same. But yeah, it is what it is. But I see a comment there about uh you know it decreases the chances of uh. Yeah, well, so Adam Adam Mack, right? Another all about the birds guy, you know, decrease the chance of a wide receiver at Pitts falling to 12. So if you look at the first couple picks now, so we now know Trevor Lawrence is going one, which again, you want to talk over hyping. I'm gonna say it now before he's played a pro snap. I I think he needs a lot more work than he's you know, him being anointed the first round pick. He played for Clemson, he had studs all over the place. I I actually happen to agree with you. I think he's uh he, he's going to have hot, the highest of expectations, and when somebody like that doesn't do well, it kind of gets in their head. So it, he could be set up to fail before it even starts. Right. Like, I looked at Joe Burrows when he came out, and I looked at Joe Burrows, and I said, Joe Burrows is going to be a monster in this league. Right? I don't feel that way about Trevor Lawrence. I, I had a different feeling about Joe Burrow. I, I, and I, I haven't – I'm not one of these film guys, so I don't mm-hmm. – and I, I, I'm not – I don't profess to know the NFL. Like I, I don't get in arguments on Twitter with people that, you know, I, I don't do that. I, I just right. say what I see or what I feel. And I agree. I think Joe Burrow to me was the, the better of the two. Now maybe I'm wrong and oh, absolutely. I'll be proven wrong, but um, I, I mean, just not, think not, not, the, not the tra- Listen, I think every year, if you go back generally, you can look in the past 10 years of quarterbacks being drafted and almost every year, it's not – it's hardly ever the number one, the first pick that ends up being mm-hmm. the best quarterback out of that class. Now, obviously, 
Andrew Luck got hurt, so I can't mm-hmm. really compare that. But we will. I will say Ryan Tannehill was drafted that same draft, and to me, he's the best out of that class. I mean, but remember, if you had given up on Ryan Tannehill when he was in Miami, like a lot oh, of people yeah. did, then you yeah. never would have gotten Tennessee Tannehill, which is a different. So I look, Correct. and again, you know, my 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 twin Manny, who was on the show a couple of weeks ago, right. He's saying, like, I think Sam Darnold's going to do well there. And I do, too. You're pulling him out of a media market that is ruthless and giving him a chance to succeed with good young coaching and good young talent. You know, Robert Saleh, who who went to the Jets, is a defensive-minded guy. So he doesn't need the the, – he's not going to focus on the quarterback. He's going to have coordinators do that. Matt Rule is going to build a team around a good young quarterback in Sam Darnold. But, again – the question is, what does it mean for the Eagles? And we're saying, look, we know Lawrence is going to go one. We know Wilson's going to go two. Now we have to have the conversation of, you know, is Fields going to fall? I, it's an Ohio State quarterback. He doesn't have things looking in his favor for that. Is Trey Lance as good as, as another North Dakota quarterback? You know, did Carson Wentz establish something there? that like these guys are f- fantastic in, in the subdivision, but they're not, you know, guys who go against Alabama and Florida and Florida States and, and Georgia's. They're not these guys. Who, who, what does this do to the Eagles for where they're picking at 12? Do they pick at 12? I still don't think they do. I think they pick the 17, 18 range. A- and what happens now? Uh, ah, Adam, no, sir. <laughs> No, I see. I, I I can't. I can't. I cannot. I, I do not want them to take a quarterback. Yeah, you, ha- you did all this. You did all this, and you have to. You owe it to to your, not only yourself. You owe it to the fans. You owe it to the city to at least try to have a successful. You know. I don't want to say career, but Jalen Hurts, like I said, I agree. I'm not ready to anoint him, and and I think you're right that they made that big mistake. But if you don't see – this is my thing. And and I guess maybe I'm old school, but we we both grew up – I mean, I remember watching Donovan McNabb. Yeah. And this team – how much better could he have been had they had some wide receivers – they had the one year they had T.O. Now, listen. They went to the Super Bowl. <laughs> listen, I, I hear I got a lot of flack, you know, because I was against this trading back. Uh-huh. But you know what? That's because I have I am sick and tired of being a Philly fan and watching this team disvalue wide receivers. Okay? Uh-huh. I don't think – you know what? Chase Jamar Chase is the kind of guy to me – They don't come along. These kind of wide receivers don't come along very often. Now, you know what? I could be proven wrong. Jamar Chase could come out and he could be a bust. Yeah. But you know what? But I'll tell you what, man. This, and then I heard, and I, I hate to be the one that jumps around a little bit, but then I heard like, oh, well, you know, they drafted Jay Jaw and they drafted Rager. We we can't just keep drafting wide receiver. Well, I don't agree with that. You can draft the right one. Exactly. How about that? And you know what? If you didn't want Jamar Chase, I think this guy Pitts might be the best, the second or third best player in this draft. 
and you had a shot at him at six. You had a shot at him at six, and you traded back. And you know what? I don't care. That's my opinion. I'll I'll, I'll argue with anybody. I don't agree with the trade. I'm saying it now. I I don't agree with the trade, but for the fact that there are so many holes to fill that one player this season is not going to make the difference. Now, letting this year be the year that Jalen Hurts gets – a mediocre squad because that's what he's got right now. They're mediocre. They're the fourth best team in the NFC East out of four teams and seeing what he does with the worst before they can start to go, okay, there's a weakness in this spot that we've really pinpointed. We'll use one of our first round draft picks. So I, I get, they made it very clear. They're not staying at six. Now they're at 12. People are upset. I get that because you wanted these these names that are floating around. But every single year around this time, names float around. Every single year, quarterbacks get overhyped. Trey Lance this time that last year was not even a top four round pick. And now he's going to be the number four pick. You know what I mean? So let's pump the brakes here. They were always going to trade back. I just think that they're not done trading back. And they also traded back very early, which changed the market of the entire draft. You just hit it on the head. And that, that I, I saw you ask, did, did they trade too early? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they did. Because I think, why did they didn't have to trade then? Why didn't they wait? And maybe you could have got even more. But they're holding on to Zach Ertz for the perfect trade. Well, we don't have to trade. We're gonna hold, okay, well, if you're so willing to just trade right now, okay. But you're holding on to players that don't really want to be here. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's not making sense. And again, I, I think that Zach Ertz should do another season here for his own sake, build up his value for the Eagles sake, for the city's sake. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I think that Zach Ertz would be wise. Cause you can see that the, the nips and the bites aren't where he expected them to be. Yeah. I mean, I not, not to go back to it, but I guess for me, Personally, the real reason that I was upset is because I I really believe that even if Jamar Chase ends up not being the best wide receiver in this draft, I believe that Kyle Pitts is most definitely the next generational tight end like a Travis Kelsey on that level. And I think not taking him or taking yourself out of a chance to get that guy is a mistake. And that's just my opinion. And maybe I'm wrong. And you know what? You know, maybe they get like a Rashad Bateman and, you know, they get a tight end in the third round or something and they end up, you know, doing well. I don't know. I'm just saying that that was There's my opinion. 53 spots on the team. One of them is quarterback. We have got in Philadelphia. Stop talking about quarterback. We have two guys that can play the position this season on a bad team that's not going to compete. You know, we, there's a lot of names floating around. Kyle Pitts seems to be a reach that he's not going to be available. There's too much hype around him. Other teams are going to go up and get him if he starts to fall. Jamar Chase might be there. Some of these guys might be there. Rashad Bateman that Adam is saying, and this is a name he's thrown around for a couple of weeks now. Uh, Adam from Oklahoma State, I believe, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, it, it is a mid to late first round draft pick. That seems reasonable right now. He's not the sexy pick. He's not the the high name pick, but based Minnesota, thank you, Adam. Um, but based on where they are, that seems reasonable. I think Eagles fans need to take a step back, realize that this team is no more, and realize that we need to scrap for a couple of seasons to get to that level. You look at the two teams in the Super Bowl, we are not on the same level right now. 
understand that, accept that, and realize that 2022 is the goal. 2021 is not a Super Bowl season. Uh, so there's that. Listen, I, I can't do any more on the Eagles right now when the big news was all about jerseys. <laughs> but I do need to ask you because I know there's some love here. And Matt is on. Matt, I'm not watching the game because I'm having some Wi-Fi concerns. What are they doing? What are the Flyers doing? Uh, I'm at a loss for words, man. I I am so – I'm frustrated. I I mean, this team is 3-7 and seven in the last 10 games, okay? They've given up 9, 8, 6, 6 goals. They're giving up goals <laughs> at, you know – they lost six cases. to one to the Buffalo Sabres, who are eight and twenty-three on the year. Six goals to the Buffalo Sabres, who are eight and twenty-one on the year, and have a negative forty-six point differential. Um. Yeah. So, what are the Flyers doing? Absolutely nothing. And you know what? That's another sour spot right now because I'm telling you, man. This team last year, you know, yeah. had my hopes way up here, man. I mean, they were this close to making it to the finals. I mean, if they had beat the Islanders, I think they could have made it to the finals. I, I'm just, I, I'm at a loss, but I can tell you right now that I did hear quite a few people, and and I got in some me getting in more arguments <laughs> on Twitter, and you know that I. I kind of, you know, write for Flyers Nitty Gritty, so yeah. I kind of – I'm right in the, in the thick of things. And, you know, they obviously have both sides. You know, they have the the diehards that always root for the Flyers, and then they have their the total vocalists that are always out oh. and always negative. I sure. like to try to be the guy that's in the middle. But there's no defending this team right now. And, I mean, it starts at the top. Honest to God, this GM – he realistically has not done anything. Not one good thing has come since from I started questions. really watching during the winter classic. And I made a big deal like, hey, this is when I started watching and, and watching. And, and, you know, let's track it because Matt and I are trying to figure out who has caused this Flyers downward trend. Uh, I think it's Matt's turn to take the blame for it. Um, but since I started watching, they have benched Carter Hart twice. They have brought him back. They have cut Gossespierre, brought him back. Today, Lindblom's not playing. So part of that's coaching. Part of that is, it's just, it's a mess. Like, for example, if you just bench Carter Hart and he just played his first game back on Saturday, why is he not starting tonight? You're telling me he can't play tonight and then the next game? You're telling me that he can't play more than one game? Is he Joel Embiid? You're telling me a 22-year-old kid cannot play tonight and tomorrow, take Wednesday off, and then play Thursday? No. Wait, I, no, you're – honestly, Elaine Vigneault, uh, to me, and I followed him, you know, in his previous regimes, he, he's, he's one of these coaches where he, he might get the best out of a team early in his, you know, early in his tenure – but once he loses it, you're done. I I think he lost the team, honestly. I think he's I at the point now. And now he's, I think, 
he's over he's kind of over coaching to try to fix the mistakes that he's already made. Like Carter Hurts, the perfect example. Because listen, let, let's face it, man. I, I and I I love the kid. He's uh-huh. twenty two years old. Okay, he's gonna have he's gonna have bad stretches. We know that. But yeah. The part of the problem is when, when you're a young goalie, you got to let a young goalie get himself out of it. And when you start benching him or not playing him, listen. If this is for the future, because let's face it, this team ain't going nowhere this year. Not right now. This no. team is not the way it's constructed now. They are making the playoffs. No way, Jose. And think about it. They're they're going against a team like the Bruins, who's right above them, and they're trailing two to one right now. And again, I said this before because part of my conversation was, look, Carter Hart is struggling. Let's pull him back for a couple minutes because Elliot's got the hot hand. Then Elliot starts struggling. So you have to then go to the next level. It's not all the goal playing. It is the uh, defense. Uh, this is a bad defense. Let's dude. <laughs> he just said bingo. You just I'll put it back up. Put bingo back up there. Cause that bingo. is the absolute. That's the most, that's the biggest issue. The goaltending has been horrible. Yes. Yeah. But their defense is absolutely in net. That, that's the perfect word. They're net. They are – they might be the worst defense I've ever seen in my years of watching the Flyers, okay? Yes, when, you, when you're giving up those kind of goals, I mean, let's face it, they're second worst in the NHL in goals against, okay? Yes, that falls on the goalie. But absolutely, you would, you when would you think, turn over the puck inside your own yeah. zone three to four times a game, that's not all on the goalie. Yeah, but you would think too that them being the worst in the goals against, that they would have allowed the most shots, right? No, no, normally actually, uh, no. They outshoot the team first, They're twenty first in shots against, which is middle of the pack. And what that tells me is it's not the number of shots. But they're giving up quality shots, which that means it's the defense. The defense is turning the puck over. They are not protecting their goaltender. They don't protect their own players. I mean, Limbaugh gets run over and nobody comes to his defense. Nope. What is wrong with this team? I mean, come there on. Is, there is <laughs> no fire. So when we, we talk about the Flyers, right, we talk about the Broad Street Bullies. We talk about, you know, the 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 Desjardins and the LeClairs and the Lindrosses. We talk about these guys who are straight-up hockey players, right? You talk about the, the Scotty Hartnells. These guys were incredible. This team right now has no fire. So you have to figure out where is the problem. Look at the goalies. Both goalies had stretches where they were good. Both goalies had stretches where they were bad. Okay, so we need to improve the goaltending. The defense, pretty much this entire season, has been bad. So the GM should make a move to replace that because this team is in fifth place. They are only right now four points back of the number four seed. So you make a move to replace, but the GM doesn't do that. Then you look at the next level, which is shots on goal. When I started watching the Flyers again, and it was the – uh, Winter Classic and beyond, my biggest peeve was they don't shoot the puck. They pass, 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 pass. There were entire two-minute power plays where they got one or less power play shots. That can't happen. So there are so many problems. And when you hear AV literally say, I don't know what's wrong. I don't know how to fix it. You're gone. 
as a teacher, if I was to have a problem in my classroom and go, I don't know how to fix it, you better believe that principals, vice principals, people are going to try to help me out. And if they can't help me, I'm gone. Yeah. And you, you know, it's frustrating because what you just said, I've, I, I've gotten in arguments with people saying, getting mad at me because I'm blaming the coach. Well, you know what? Sometimes it is the coach. And, and sometimes it is the coach. Listen, I agree. Hold the players accountable. No doubt. The team has been hard. Like, let's face it. The old, in my opinion, the only two bright spots on this team have been JVR and Joel Farabee. They've been the two bright spots. JVR, like, bounce back here. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's having a great year. But other than those two guys, I don't know anything that I can actually get excited about on this team. And yeah, up oh, Jake Voracek, he's been a problem. The guy's he's an addict. Claude Giroux as a captain. Again. So, ready? We're going to start to tie. We're going to begin to tie into the topic of the evening. We're going we're gonna to pull back. We're not going to do the whole thing right now. We're going to begin to tie into the topic of the evening. Claude Giroux has a big letter C on his chest. In order to play like a captain, he's got to be the one leading the team. That means on the team, he should be the best player, the one who the other players go to, the one who lights the fire, the elite player on the team. In my opinion, Claude Giroux has not played like a captain this season. So him just getting the captain C, right? Either don't give one out or replace it every year. Who's going to be the stud of the player? And if they're going through laws, pull it back. Make them re-earn it. There is this idea. There is this idea that athletes just deserve things. I agree. I I think for me, Claude Giroux, you know, I've I've been in these many times, these discussions with about Claude Giroux. Like Mm -hmm. Claude Giroux lives off the fact that you know, he, he's had great numbers. But realistically, what does he do in the playoffs? Nothing. He has not done anything in the playoffs. And to me, that's why I always say that he's overrated. And, I, of course, I get, I get you know, blasted. But my opinion, he's overrated. I'm not saying he's not good. I'm not saying he's not one of the top flyers that, you know, of all time. But he's not, he's not elite. He's not. Yeah, he has one, one bingo, one, one. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Matt was very excited for this conversation because he feels my frustration as my my Flyers love regrows. This team gives you very little to get overly excited about. Well, especially because yet last year they were so close, and now it's like, how did they go so backwards? Now. They lost Niskanen, but you can't tell me that losing one player, Niskanen was not, you know, elite of elites in defensemen. Uh-huh. He was a good defenseman. Don't get me wrong. They're missing him. But i got to tell you this. This is what – and I know we got to move on, but this is what frustrates me the most about this team and Chuck Fletcher. If the Flyers' farm system and their youth is so good, we get praised about how good of a job Hextall did getting all these young draft picks and all these young players. And, oh, my God, the Flyers have the best system in the NHL. Then why in the hell can't they trade some of these guys to get somebody? Now, you know, I'll get in an argument. They'll say, oh, it's get because somebody it's who's ready now. Or they'll say it's the money. But you know what? Then, then do something about the money. Like right. we've seen now, you know, Harry Roseman gets a lot of praise for how he does the cap. 
Well, let, come on, Chuck. If you're GM, that's part of your job. So let's get I, I think you have to seriously evaluate where your team is, right? So with the with the Eagles in 2017, they realized that, and I'm Matt, I'm putting your comment up, right? In 2017, they realized that they were one to two moves away. So they made in this seat during the season, they made the moves that they needed and they were the right moves. Now, did that mean that the cap was going to be a problem in the 20, 2018, 2019, 2020? Now here we are in cap hell, but in 2017, they had a team ready to go. So they made their, okay, let's go. 2018, they're like, we're not far off. Let's add the pieces again. We'll deal with the problem. We know there's going to be a problem later on, but this is our window. Is this the Flyers window right now? Because if it is, then you put yourself in cap hell in 2022 and 2023 because this is their window. You've got the good young goalie. You've got Joel Farabee, who's doing an incredible job. And you've got some guys who are veterans in this league, but you need defense. So you need to go out and get them. The other question then comes in is, which goalie do you play? If the goal is to get Carter Hart ready for the future, and you realize the ups and downs, then you play him nonstop. And you let him work him through it. Because right now, out of the two, Brian Elliott is the better goalie. Right now. You can go back in history, and I've seen – I've seen an elite goalie go through what Carter Hart's going through right now. Mm-hmm. His name is Patrick Waugh. Oh, he had, al- he had a, almost a four goals against, which is exactly where Carter Hart is right now. And that was in like his fourth year, I believe. I- I'd have to go back and look. But Patrick Waugh was almost to the point where he was benched and he was struggling. And you know what they did? They kept playing him. And you know what he did the next year? Bingo. He was like 36 and – 18 or something, and I think they it was the year either he's 22 years old. He's 22 years old for all of these Philly fans, and I'm not saying Philly, I'm saying Philadelphia fans who are like, Oh, trade him. He's like Carson Wentz, he's weak. He's (laughs) shut the fuck up. I can't compare compare him to Carson. He's nothing like Carson Wentz. He's 22. He's 22. 28. Let (laughs) him work his way through it. But part of that is they gotta let him work himself through it. All right. Yeah, the time has come. Okay. I'm I'm passing off on the Sixers right now. Joel Embiid is back. I'm very excited. But we, my friend, need to have a conversation. Hey, last, yeah, week, last week, I, uh, I made a statement about <laughs> Philadelphia Phillies starting pitcher number one, Aaron Nola. And I... F- made the statement that Aaron Nola, while a good pitcher, while the potential to be an ace, is not an ace yet. In fact, I say that he is the second best pitcher on the starting rotation. Jason, he disagrees. Um, he disagrees. So the the topic, the topic du jour, the topic of the night is Aaron Nola. Ace or deuce, not goodbye, but the number two pitcher. I will let you, sir, take the opening statement. 
Okay. Uh, well, do you want me? Do you want me? Do you want me to put Johnny's numbers up for you since he did your work for you? You should put the numbers up. I, I yeah. got. My, I got since some John, numbers. Since here. Johnny did the work for you, I'll put them up for you. I actually did a lot of research myself, but Johnny, thank you so much. <laughs> Appreciate you, man. I knew you would come to bat for me. Oh God. Well, okay. So first, we have to, in order to to make this argument you know, a debate, we have to kind of get a, get an idea of what, what does an ace pitcher, what is an ace? Okay. So to me, an ace typically refers to a team's best starting pitcher. That's an ace. Okay. It doesn't, an ace doesn't necessarily mean elite. And this is why I was going back to earlier when I was saying a precursor. Because to me, in, 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 in Major League Baseball right now, or at any time, you can go back, you know, through, through history. There's only a few players that go into that elite realm. Okay, so in today, I'll give you today. So it's for, for me today, there's about four guys, four or five tops that are in the elite ranks. And that would be Jake DeGrom. Shane Bieber, um, Max Scherzer, and um, who am I forgetting? Garrett Cole. Okay. Maybe Kershaw because he's done it for a long time. Okay. That's elite. And then you have what's called like a second tier. And that to me is where Aaron Nola is. So, and to that, I will agree with you. To that, I will agree with you. Okay. Well, that, that's where I'm at. Like, I don't think Aaron Nola is elite. He's not. But I, I'm going to give you some numbers. Now, we saw Johnny's numbers. Now, I'm going to give you his rankings over the last four years. This is the last four-year sample. Okay, so he's sixth in the entire major leagues in innings pitched with 654. Now, let's just say in this day and age, if you're throwing a lot of innings, you're an ace because most pitchers today – don't go five or six innings at tops, especially when you're under the hands or managerial uh, cap of Gabe Kapler. Okay. The analytics. Okay. ERA, three, two, three. He's 13th in the league. That's top 20. Okay. K's, strikeouts. That means he's, he's, he's getting batters out. 733, he's seventh uh-huh. in the last four years. Wins, which I think – I happen to believe that wins are the most overrated stat out of all the stats for pitchers. He's 40 – he has 46, which ties for eighth. Quality starts, which means – quality starts means a start that he didn't give up more than – I believe it's three – whatever that stat counts for. He is eighth. So top 10 in that was 67. Whip, which is walks and hits per, per, per you know, innings pitched. Uh-huh. He's a 1.14, which is good enough for 19th. Um, opposing OPS, which is basically your batting and your slugging, or on base and slugging together, he's 13th, uh, top 20, which is 649. And then batting average, opponent's batting average, 221, which is 18th. So, to me, if you want to just look at the surface numbers, he's 
top 10 in four out of the eight and the other eight, four, he's a top 20. So that's pretty damn good. That's an ace. So I have a higher, I have a higher value of what that term means. And yes, he's got great numbers over the last four years. Last season, his numbers were horrific, right? His numbers were not good because the Phillies weren't good. So you do look at the wins and losses and you see he was five and five. So he wasn't in that whole Cy Young contention of the shortened season. You look at, I, I look at it this way. And Adam's comment here, this is my point. I think Zach Wheeler is the number one pitcher on this team. And you saw over the weekend with dominant pitching, both starting and um, and relief pitching, which was so nice to see, minus Hector Neris, who should not be the closer of this team. Can we agree on that? I think that by the end of the season, it will be either Alvarado or my bold prediction. Archie Bradley? <laughs> You're not going to believe it. No. I have a bold, even bolder prediction. Okay. It's probably not going to happen, but it's a guy that I believe could be a dominant closer. Vince Velasquez. All right. So, so basically what I've learned is I've just okay. won this argument um, just by that. you saying that. Yeah. Just because you said that I have learned that. That's I won't a very so, bold prediction. That's, that's a bold no, prediction actually, and, think, and credit honestly, and credit to your drug dealer. <laughs> no, honestly, I think Connor Brogdon. Okay. I think eventually, I think he, he has closer stuff, Connor Brogdon. I think eventually he was, he will be the clip. Probably Archie Bradley. I mean, that's why they signed him. That's why they signed him. So, okay. I look and I say the word ace. Yes, it has to be the best pitcher on your staff, but that can just be pitcher one. I mean, you could have, you could have multiple aces. So you can have multiple aces. And I'm not interjecting, but I will say, I kind of actually agree that Wheeler is the best pitcher of the two. Uh-huh. But that wasn't the that wasn't the original thing. It was that right. I thought it was that Aaron Noll is not an ace, which I disagree. I look at it as so maybe this is me growing up when Randy Johnson was dominant. When it was, you know, you hear about Nolan Ryan dominant. If a guy is on the mound that batters are legitimately afraid to face, I consider them to be an ace. Whether that is because their stuff is so empowering and the 100-mile-an-hour heaters, right? Which Zach Wheeler was was throwing 100-mile-an-hour heaters, 90 or 89-mile-an-hour change-ups, 94-mile-an-hour sinkers. That stuff you cannot hit because you have that split second. Zach Wheeler is the best pitcher on this team. Aaron Nola. Now, when we were watching this game, because we were we were live tweeting ourselves, <laughs> he made a mistake to Pablo Sandoval by about 18 inches. Let's call it, you know, JT called for a pitch. You heard the announcers say he would be a fool to throw him a strike here. He throws him a strike that misses drastically, and Pablo Sandoval ties it up taking the win away from Aaron Nola, who had pitched well. One of the big things they were talking about with Aaron Nola is he's now adding in a cutter. I think if he adds in another faster pitch with some movement, then you start having it. But right now, in my opinion, Aaron Nola doesn't have overpowering stuff. He's got good stuff. He could have great stuff. But a mid-90s fastball doesn't scare anybody in the major leagues. It just doesn't. 
I do not feel that Aaron Nola is an ace. I think he is the number two best pitcher on this team, and he could develop into an ace with the development of more pitches. Did you ever hear of the guy named Greg Maddox? I have heard of Greg Maddox. Okay, Greg Maddox uh, was through low to mid-90s. Mm-hmm. He was a dominant pitcher later in his career. Earlier in his career, he kind of worked up to that. So to your point, I would think that Aaron Nola could be going into his prime starting this year. I think this is the year. And so, maybe. And maybe, but are we anointing? Again, there's that word. Are we anointing him too early? Because, again, this was his fourth opening day start. Well, he's in fourth. He could be. He's not elite yet. But but once Ah. again, wait, but but once again, you said you're used to guys like Randy Johnson and Nolan Ryan. But can I ask you a question? How many teams have guys like that? You very few because I place a value on that word. So you mentioned Greg Maddox. You mentioned Greg Maddox, right? He pitched in a time where the league was geared more toward pitchers, right? Less with flying baseballs, and then the the Maguires come in and the Sosas come in, and home runs are king. Maddox was already moving on his way out at that time. Aaron Nola pitches in a time that extremely values hitters, right? Different kinds of baseballs, parks built directly for hitters. Aaron Nola doesn't put fear in anybody. You do realize in 2018, he was pretty much he, – he could have won the Cy Young. Like, yes, he that's only a couple years removed. And and, and let's let's face it, because I'm going to tell you right now, you're not giving him as mo- enough credit for last year. Because last year, 2020, to me, is kind of like – oh, I mean, you can't, you can't compare any kind of numbers when you have a 60-game season. Yes, he was 5-5, five and five, but like I said, the wins, the wins to me are nonsense. Now, if you looked at his last year, right, he had a pretty good year except when he got down the stretch. And that's the problem. But I'm going to tell you where that came from. To me, the outlier for Aaron Nola was his 2019 season because that was the year where a lot of people were, like, expecting him to go up to the next level because, he, you know, he almost won the Cy Young. But – there was that guy named Gabe Kapler and that terrible, terrible, terrible coaching staff that pretty much ruined every one of our good young players, including Reese Hoskins, Aaron Nola. That whole coaching staff should have been fired a year prior. Because they, <laughs> they still have jobs. Gabe Kapler is still coaching in I, San Francisco somehow. I don't get that. And th- and this is where this is where I'm getting to my point because to me. For me, Aaron Nola's 2019 was an outlier because honestly, if you looked at that season, it was like almost like a tale of two seasons. His first month, he had a 6.66 ERA. Mm-hmm. His last yeah. month, he had a 6.51 ERA. The three months in between, he had a 2.52 ERA and a 1.07 ear, uh, whip, which is basically elite numbers. So, I believe, and I believe that that problem that he had down the stretch also had to do with he led the league in games that year, 34 games pitched. And that was coming off him coming off a season when he had never thrown that many innings 
and went that deep in games and and you know the team almost he, made threw, he threw more innings this season. I'm looking at the stats right now as well because I want to make sure I got numbers. He pitched yeah. more innings in 2018 during that amazing season where you know he was third in the Cy Young, third. So that's in the what MVP I mean. Voting. But what I'm getting at is he 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 upped it. But my point is, ah. is he was overused down the stretch, and that caused him his his ERA to balloon. He had a couple bad games where he gave up like seven runs, which you and I both know sometimes those kind of games inflate the numbers. It doesn't mean that, you know, his season was drastically that terrible. I agree. His season was a downturn in 2019, but I am saying right. that that's an outlier because, it, like I said, 2020, you can't count. To me, I, I agree with you for the most part, like that I think no, no, I think Wheeler is actually, if you want to look at talent level, Wheeler actually could be elite had it not been for his injuries. Wheeler has right. and I think part of those, and that's so that's where I, I look at things because now, and again, I, I coach a lot of peewee baseball, I umpire, so I'm around these young kids who play. I'm not joking. I was at my kids' practice tonight before we signed on, and this is rec ball. So this is just 12 year old recreational ball. One of the kids on the team also plays travel, also plays CYO where he pitches, catches, and plays shortstop. Wow. The CYO coach doesn't talk to the travel coach who doesn't talk to the rec coach. So he might be on a pitch limit for rec ball where he's only allowed to pitch five innings a week. But for travel, he's also pitching five innings a week. And for CYO, he's also he's at 12 years old pitching 15 innings per week. You know, And he's 12. So you want to talk about these kids at 17, 18, getting Tommy John surgery because they're playing Connie Mack, they're playing high school ball, and they're playing Legion ball. You have a problem. Zach Wheeler throws very hard. Zach Wheeler throws very hard. His career span is going to be shorter because of how hard he throws. There is a reason why a guy like Jamie Moyer was able to pitch at 46 years old. I, and now I'm not saying that the two are comparable. I am not saying that Aaron Nola is like Jamie Moyer because he's much better. What I am saying is that when you look at the type of pitches he throws, no one was afraid to face Jamie Moyer. And I don't think that players are afraid to face Aaron Nola, which is the one thing. To be a dominant ace in this league, and yes, there you go. I threw a Jamie Moyer reference. Matt was all over. Matt, I like you. Um, to be in this league, you must be dominant, and I do not feel like Aaron Nola is a dominant pitcher. Yeah, and I, I got to disagree because I think – Well, that's why we're doing this. I think that Aaron Nola, when he runs into trouble – it's when he's not able to um, have command of his fastball. When he has his fastball, when his fastball is on command, he's lights out because that curveball he has is nasty. It's probably it the best curveball in, in, in Major League Baseball. It's that good. And it's up there. It's up there. He, he, maybe there's some closers, you know, that have some better. But my point is Aaron Nola is dominant. It's just – the whole thing is that can we get it to be consistent over a full season, which he showed 
in 2017, he was able to. I mean, I'm sorry, 2018. I think this year is the year he gets it together, and I think it has a lot to do with coaching. I think this is a second year with Joe Girardi, and this, and this, you know, they have a lot better coaches. And I believe you're going to see an Aaron Nola that we that we want. I think you're going to see the Aaron Nola, and that's why I I, I went out on a bold another bold prediction. I picked the Phillies to win the National League East. Uh-huh. And there's all there's a couple things that have to come into play for that to happen, but I believe that it's it's possible. And those three things are, and we were talking about this before the show. Yes, we were. Right. Pitching. If Wheeler and Nola can be those two dominant forces that we that that we think they could be, they can be. And if Zach Eflin can pitch like he pitched yesterday and win 13 to 14 games for this team, and then this bullpen can play the way they are. The off, let's face it, that offense is going to hit. They might not hit a full season. but Well, they haven't really hit yet. That's important. They ha- Again, we're talking a very – we're talking three and a half games. It's also April. And yes, it's we're talking three and a half games. It's cold. The ball doesn't jump off as much. But so far, Andrew Knapp is your home run leader in the dugout. Um, yeah, I, I'm not buying because, you know what, like – baseball is a marathon. And 162 yes. games – you and you know what? I'm one of these people. I play fantasy baseball. I hate to bring fantasy into this, but I'm gonna bring it into it. Um, this could also help my Noah argument. <laughs> Aaron Noah great actually, numbers. He's got great numbers. Well, no, Aaron Noah actually pro, uh, goes uh, consistently uh, between the seventh and tenth pitcher, it, you know, off the board in fantasy. Which okay. that's pretty respectable. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm using that as you know, obviously. It's not the same thing as real life, but um, just throwing it out there. No, but that's that. Listen, we live in 2021. We live in 2021 where people really do put value in fantasy. You know, we have multiple shows on the All About the Birds Network exclusively for fantasy and gambling. So we take some stock in it. So my point is, is Aaron Nola, by by the, the betting public and the outside public, maybe not the local people like us, you and I, but the outside people and the outside community, use Aaron Nola as an ace. I just think um, for me to see him make, and again, we're talking one pitch. We're talking one pitch to Pablo Sandoval. This is our my, our too early debate. We, we should probably do this debate again in July. But this is our too early debate. This kid has started four opening days, meaning somebody in the Phillies organization views him a certain way. He came up through the farm system. Right, so the organization has viewed him a certain way. What's that? Number one pick. Right, so he has been viewed a certain way. I think it's for me. I want to change my argument to he's not an ace yet. Can I ask you a question? Go ahead. He has better numbers at this point in his career than a guy that won a World Series for the Phillies. Cole Hamels? Uh-huh. He's got better numbers than him. Was was Cole Hamels an ace? Because if Cole Hamels an ace, then Aaron Nola is definitely an ace. I did not consider Cole Hamels an ace. Okay, well then I guess I guess our our difference of opinions there is different because to me, like I, I think said, it's type of pitching. You're not it's gonna type have, of pitching. Well, I agree. So you you prefer that you prefer the you know guy that throws a hundred miles an hour, but to me, I, and I or a guy who sprinkles so throws a hundred miles an hour and has great other pitches as well, 
You know what I mean? That stuff where even in that split second, if you're throwing 100 miles an hour, but you're also throwing a 94 mile an hour slider, that six miles an hour doesn't seem like it makes a lot of difference, but it's the movement. Cole Hamels, look at it. Cole Hamels was very, very good. He was very, very good. But my definition of an ace is a guy like Roy Halladay, is a guy like Roy Cliff Lee, guys who right, elite. freaks Once of nature. Again, they're elite. They're, they're right. few and far between. My point is, is not every team can have them, and we're blessed that we have Aaron Ole. Would, would I ra- if you're asking me, would I rather have Garrett Cole? Well, hell yeah. Exactly. That's, my, that's my point. Well, I'd rather have Jake DeGrom, but it ain't happening. That's my point. So, so my point is, is my my definition of an ace. My definition of an ace is out of the top five. So again, you're doing your we'll talk fantasy, right? If you had the choice to pick the five your five starting pitchers all in one shot and no one else got to pick around you, would you pick Aaron Nola in your top five? No, he's top ten. So and that's right. why I don't consider him an ace. I all don't right. consider him an ace for that reason. I mean, and th- and then that's fine. But my point is, is then I guess only five teams have aces. Then, in, in- I, I agree, and that's my argument. All right, and that and that's fair, and I understand that. So, but I think we kind of have difference of opinions on what an ace is. So that makes it hard to kind of have, you know, the debate. But it's Whereas- good because you have different perspectives on what, like, you know, switch it back to, to football for a second. You know, we talk what a franchise quarterback is. A franchise quarterback is a team who you would be like, this is the guy I'm building my team around. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a franchise quarterback. There are maybe five wow. to six quarterbacks in the NFL who you would be willing to build a team around. The rest are good, but they're tier two guys. Aaron Nola is a tier two pitcher. Now. And that's okay. But I mean, it's great. Like it's said, fantastic. Two, I'm not knocking. Two. I'm not knocking Aaron Nola. I'm not saying that he's a bad pitcher. I'm just saying that he is not what everybody in Philadelphia is making him up to be. Right. But, but let's face it. Tier two guy. I mean, tier one guys have to start somewhere. There was yes, they a do. Tier, a tier one guy was, was always a tier two guy before he was a tier one guy. Generally, unless he's a Pat Mahomes. You, you, or like a or like a, a Steven Strasburg, right? You knew you Max knew Strasburg, Strasburg, right? You Max knew Strasburg in high school was a elite pitcher. I agree. Now, you know, has he fallen into injuries and blown his arm out and you know hurt himself in every possible which way and hasn't lived up to that? Yes, but he was a guy that even in high school you were afraid of. That's an ace. Now, it just so happens that Scherzer has put together the better career lately because Strasburg can't stay healthy. Well, no, but I'm saying Scherz is a guy that was this tier two guy that that kind of became a tier one guy. He wasn't like expected to be no. this superstar ace. They brought him he, in to be the two starter. I mean, when he was in Detroit. Um, yeah. And then they, obviously, they brought him in to start game twos, not game ones. <laughs> yeah. And so now don't get me wrong. Max Scherzer has got that fastball. But my point is, and I see what you're saying about the dominance. I see the. Uh, so this You're is right. Mr. Conway. This is Conway, and we're still waiting on those results, sir. And by the way, I'm sorry I didn't stop in your classroom today. Was hectic. I'll see you tomorrow, though, for sure. Oh my God! Um, by the way, three times. I, I, listen, <laughs> I, I I I texted him after all this was done. I was so excited for him because it could not happen to a better guy. Um, so I'm really you know hoping for a big Flyers win at least there because they can't win anywhere else. But this is a great point, right? Nola gives you a chance to win every start. Sure. 
you can count on him to give you six, six and a half, seven innings. Sure. But they're not dominant. Zach Wheeler, the way he pitched yesterday, if he can maintain the way he pitched, or two days ago, if he can maintain the way he pitched that, that way, he is not only a candidate for the Cy Young, but a front runner for it. Well, Phil and I predicted it. I wrote about it. Well, not, not I know you this. did. <laughs> I, I read it. So I, I do believe that the Phillies are lucky because they have two guys that are, you know, right there. I mean. Well, yeah, because three is a question mark and four and five are not good pitchers. No, but I think three can be. I think this is three's year to step up. Right. It's now time. He's been given ample time. It's now. He needs to do it. Yeah, so I agree. And, you know, you also have a couple guys on the back. Like you mentioned your your closer to be, Vinny Velasquez, who I'm still I, upset. I'm still upset at you for that. That almost ended the show right then and there. I'm yeah, going to be honest. You know what? And that's why I said that's – to me, that's what a bold take is. Somebody that says something that's probably never going to happen. But. but, like, I look at Vinny Velasquez, and he's not good enough for the starting lineup of a bad four and five starting lineup. I look at Spencer Howard. He still needs work out of a bad four and five. Like if these guys aren't good enough to crack into the lineup, then what are we doing? I still remember when they got um, R2C2, Cliff Lee, Roy Halladay. Um, the four aces. Cole Hamels and yeah. Oswald. Right. Yeah, and then the they had. Aces. Remember it was. And the, then they had like Joe Bland. Right. And they had like Joe Bland. Or they had yeah. whoever came in and pitched number five. Well, yeah, that, that, that doesn't happen anymore. Well, the Mets, the Mets have that. Not to that, that level. Really. Not to that. I mean, that was. Well, no, that was a super, that was a super elite level, but the Mets have right now, I would say they have four guys that are legitimate, you know, could be aces. I mean, the Grom is, is definitely an ace. The Grom is Cindergaard, a Cindergaard, don't forget him either. He, he's, he's a huge X factor for that team too, because. When Cindergaard's not not injured, yeah. which isn't a lot because he's been hurt lately, but he's a beast. So you have Degrom, Cindergaard, um, shit. They just got the guy from in, the Indians, um, yeah, Duke Carrasco. Now he's on the on the DL. Even the Mets. I, I look at the way the Braves. Uh, Carrasco, yeah. I, I looked at the way the Braves played this opening weekend, and they're a they're a good team. I I don't personally think Stroman is the other guy. Um, I personally have an issue with the way the Braves built their bullpen, which is straight lefties. And I personally am a lefty, but that's just dumb. And and, and the Phillies, Agreed. you know, won games in the bullpen against the bullpen, which was so rare for us. But Zach Wheeler, right? I think just two of them side by side. Zach Wheeler is somebody that you are afraid to pitch, right? The last Phillies pitcher, I saw this day, the last Phillies pitcher with 10-plus strikeouts, zero walks, and one or fewer hits allowed in a game was Roy Halladay on May 29, 2010, when he threw the perfect game against the Marlins. Zach Wheeler did that as the only Philly pitcher to achieve that feat over the last 50 years. Those are elite numbers. Those are ace numbers if he can keep it up. I believe he will. I don't see numbers like that for Aaron Nola. That's why you don't see, ready for this? That's why you don't see a lot of no-hitters from guys who rely mostly on breaking balls and sliders and low 90s fastballs. You hardly, 
I mean, let's face it. In today's day and age of baseball, you hardly see any breaking ball pitchers, period. I know. It's mostly all gas, which is why I like Nolan, because he's a throwback. Right. And And look, I I like the guy. I want him to be successful. I just – it goes back to the Philadelphia mentality of find the best player on the team and raise them onto this pedestal. And then when they don't reach the pedestal that they're not ready for – He's still young in terms of a starting pitcher, and he's not. And, and that's he's fine. Not, my point is, is he has a lot. He still can grow. And my point is, is this could start his. If you looked at most pitchers, this is around the time when they really go into their prime. I mean, Verlander, same thing. When he hit like yeah, 26, yeah. 27, he started jumping into his prime. And Verlander, let's don't forget, Verlander had that one year where he kind of had a regression season. Don't forget. And now, once again, Verlander, another. Hard guy, you know what I mean? Throws hard. Yeah. But my point is, I guess the point I'm making is, is that I agree with what you're saying, but I also think that you're discounting what Nola can be. I expect him to be an I ace. think this year he will. I think. Right. I, think I expect him to be there. But you look at the like you look at the four teams, right? You look at the the Eagles, the Flyers, the Sixers, and the Phillies, and each team has a player that. The fan base anointed and said, this person is a superstar, right? When they were younger in their career, you know, you look at the way that Ben Simmons came out and you heard comparisons to he's the next LeBron James. I'm sorry, what? He's not. He's a good basketball player, but now you want to trade him for every, you know, Tom Dick and and James Harden that you can. That's an overhyping. Carson Wentz was an overhyping. But Carter Hart was an overhyping. He will be a great goalie. Can I He's ask you one question yet. now? Go ahead. Beans that you're an Eagles fan. Doesn't and don't yeah, you stink. Adam, Adam, absolutely. Ugh. Overhyping. And we were disappointed and shocked and hated the guy. Don't when you, he wasn't. <laughs> but do you also believe, and, and it, I, I think I've heard you say this, numerous times on, on your show, especially with the Eagles, that a lot of times, you know, w- we tend to be overcritical of players, yes. but but forget to mention the coaching. And that's why I said about the game. I think it's very important. And I think it's a very <laughs> important thing that people are forgetting about this team is that I think Gabe Kapler set them back. And a lot of these young guys, that's Reese Hoskins was totally screwed up. By, by Reese Hoskins was told to swing for the fence every time he went to the plate. I don't think, Reese Hoskins, swing. I don't think Reese Hoskins just all of a sudden became a garbage player or a player that forgot how to play. I for, I think he was coached in the wrong way, and he kind of he he literally got ruined almost by that he by did. that coaching regime. And my point is, is that takes time to fix. But I think that good coaching can fix especially. If there's any good, sport, good coaching fixes everything. Players, it's baseball, because I've seen right, because it is such a long season, terrible. and you get to try things out, right? You look at and they 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 spend a lot of time. Oh, I know. I won't. I won't, Adam. I will not change your mind because you're right. You're absolutely right. He is the the right. Chip Kelly of football. Did you, you know hear what I mean? The other day. No. What did he oh say the other day? God. He actually went on an interview saying that he's um, adopted that the Giants have the best time of possession. When have you heard a baseball coach say 
the use of time of possession. Like they they hold the ball at the pitcher's yeah. mound for long. Yeah, that he, he he went into an explanation of what it what it is and why he he believes that they have the best time of possession. This guy is just out to launch, man. Thank God he's not here anymore. <laughs> My God, Matt Matt goes. He still doesn't know what it means after reading it today. That that guy. I'll never, so wait, yeah. the same. Oh, I got I got to process this. The same sport that's trying to institute a pitch clock. <laughs> the own the, the manager of a team is bragging that they pitch slowly. Yeah, and that they that they make people wait and ah, uh, like is he tone deaf or what? If that's not okay. tone deaf, it's all oh. okay. Bro. Yeah, but yeah, Johnny. Yeah, but watch the Giants make the playoffs and the Phillies don't. Yeah, absolutely. That um, would just be our luck. <laughs> you guys, now, now the comments are rolling in the Gabe Kapler smacking down. I agree. By the way, Johnny, we did use your stats. Um, he Thank was you, very Johnny. appreciative that you did all all of his homework for him because you know he came totally unprepared. Now, um, <laughs> <laughs> again, my logic is he is not an ace yet. But he could be, based on what like you're saying, with great coaching, with better development around him. Because when it all shakes out, the numbers are what matters, right? So he has to get the wins. He's got to rely on the bullpen. Last season, he you know got no decisions. Thank you, Adam. Um, I know it was two one. I know the Phillies are down two nothing. Um, that doesn't surprise me. The Grom, right? Yeah, it's the bottom of the eighth. So I'm oh, sorry, bottom is top the seven. Going to win another side. He'll be the guy that keeps Wheeler from winning it. But when you're talking, and so Johnny's saying wins don't matter, but wins do matter when you're talking about that elite level status because you want to be the guy that goes, oh, well, he was, you know, he had a 20 win season. He was 19 and two. See, I definitely disagree there. The Grom, the two years he won the Cy Young, won 11 and 10 games. And he was the most dominant pitcher in baseball. So you can't, wins mean nothing. Wins are all about, about, wins are about team. Okay. Because can I tell you something? Guess who won 20 games? J.A. Hat. You think he's an ace? J.A. Hat. No. 20 games and won 17 games. Is he an ace? No. Definitely not. No. I rest my point. Mike Drop. No. No. You just brought J.A. Hap into a conversation about Aaron Nola. Yeah, because you were saying wins. So I had to- I'm saying wins are a factor when you look at that elite set. A factor, not the factor. They are a they're factor not. because when it all comes down, but when it all comes down, they go, yes, DeGrom won two Cy Youngs, three Cy Youngs, four Cy Youngs, whatever it is. And right, whatever he's going to Felix continue Hernandez to win. won one, and that year I believe he won tw- uh, 13 games, the year he won the Cy Young. Our definitions of the word ace. Yeah, our definition of the word ace is basically where where the disconnect is. My, I guess my definition of an ace is you when, the Hall of Fame ballads, right, when the Hall of Fame ballads do come out, do is there a conversation about them or is it, no, they're getting in even though the Hall of Fame lets in two players a season, if that. I think for, for purposes of us going forward then, I, say, I think we should look at it as tier one and tier two because if we if it's that way, we both agree Aaron Ole is a tier two. And so is Zach, two. Wheeler. Zach Wheeler. Zach Wheeler is a tier two, absolutely. With both of them having potential to move into that tier one based on coaching, based on team play, based on improving a pitching. 
But once again, how many guys are in tier one in any sport, We in any position? Not many. You can look at every position in every sport, and there's only a handful at each that are elite. I mean, right. at a time. I mean, obviously, there's different eras. I mean, you have Michael Jordan, and then you have LeBron. Like, But my point is, is at its, the same time, there's generally only a few. And that's right. why when you have that guy in your city, you're blessed, like an Aaron Rodgers, a Pat Mahomes. Carson Wentz will probably never be a tier one. Could he be a tier two? He could. Back to the Jamie Moyer conversation. See, Johnny, you tuned out for a second. We did a whole segment on Jamie Moyer and how I said that Aaron Nola will pitch long into his career because he's got Jamie Moyer-like stuff as opposed to Zach Wheeler who will cap out um, in the next seven to eight years because he's going to blow his arm out of its socket. Three. What? I said probably three the way he throws. Yeah. Plus it's Philadelphia, so you know we're, we're great with his uh, – we're great with our personal training here in Philadelphia. Um, yes, Matt, he absolutely went right into the mayor. He he found a way to get onto my show and bring up both Felix Hernandez and Jamie Moyer in the same episode because he snuck his Mariners in, even though it's all about Philadelphia. Now we talk about other sports. Um, all right, we got we've been going for a while, man. I I think we're wow. going to call it we're going to call it a no decision. It's going to be a hung jury over here because we have different qualifications of what an ace is. And that's fine. When we do this again in July, we'll look at some different things. It's a okay. question that's going to happen starting in about three minutes. Gonzaga undefeated season or Baylor with the upset at 27 and two. Who wins tonight in your opinion? I'm saying Baylor. Okay. I always go with the upsets. I'm one of these guys that will always try to go for the underdog. So I'm going to pick Baylor. I'm probably going to be wrong. Gonzaga deserves it. So I, I look at the, the the path to to it, right? Baylor dominated, man. It starts at 920, Matt. So based on your um, will be your streaming schedule, you still have about, you know, an hour and a half till the game starts. Um <laughs> <laughs> Baylor absolutely dominated their final four game. Gonzaga struggled against the UCLA team that was very hot, and it took an overtime. Um, <laughs> he's got real cable for that. No, and Gonzaga went down past the wire and had to hit a buzzer beater shot. I think Gonzaga, uh, I, I do think Gonzaga, and I have picked them since the beginning. Hold on, let me do the shouting. So, so at the beginning of this, we, we should give the update. So you say Baylor, I say Gonzaga. At the beginning of this, we did a chips and dish special pick um of the tournament, which first off was an absolutely hysterical episode. And for most of this extravaganza of a tournament, my wife was in first place beating everybody. Uh, she did have Illinois winning the whole thing. So wow. that did obviously bring her down. Uh, so she is going to finish in like 11th place. I am currently rocking a solid 22nd. <laughs> but I still have Gonzaga winning. But here we go. I'm going to shout. Teal. Wife. Question for the people. <laughs> you don't have to come on camera, but you just need to be near a microphone. Come here. We're, we're going to add this. By the way, we're going to get this in before the tip off. That way you guys can still get your bets in because you know it's legit. Okay. National championship game is about to tip off. Baylor Bears at 27 and 2, Gonzaga 31 and 0. Who wins? Gonzaga. How sure are you? 
Gorgonzola. Based on cheese. It's cheese. Based on cheese because of Gorgonzola cheese. Guys, it. get your bets in. You still have time. Gorgonzola cheese sounds like Gonzaga. Therefore, Gonzaga Bulldogs are national champions. Bank it. And on that note, let me pay some bills and wrap this up. That's hysterical. I just, I can't. I love it. <laughs> Real quick. Where did Phil, where did Phil finish? Uh, Phil? As I, I as hold on, I got I got to scroll down pretty far. Oh, oh man, is he watching? I wonder if he's watching. Probably not. Okay, out of forty six brackets. Oh my god! <laughs> out of forty six brackets, beard and knowledge, forty second. Oh my god! Ah. <laughs> I'm gonna have to torture him on that one. Oh, definitely, definitely do that. Um, someone doesn't like gorgonzola cheese. You gotta talk to your people. <laughs> you gotta oh, talk man. to your people. That's Aaron. Um, and Matt is going to get. Well, Matt, you made your your 43rd, sir. So I, I don't know if you want to go against the wife because 11. Matt. <laughs> Thanks, Matt. I need Baylor to win so you can win money. Listen, Adam, Ben, uh, <laughs> go team. I'm excited to watch the last game. It's been a really good tournament. So let's pay some bills. Um, again, we're all about the birds. This has been Chips and Dish. This has been the trial of Aaron Nola. Jason, I want to thank you for joining me tonight. That was yeah. that was good. I enjoyed that. Really that. Good. I, I agree. It was awesome. I, I love being on here, and I can't wait to come back. You're, you're coming back. We, we'll find another topic we agree or disagree on ever so slightly. Yeah, and I, I, I'd like to. I'd like you guys to join us on Sports and Metal. I want to do a collaboration. So Doing it. We're doing it. I'm all do about that. it, man. So All About the Birds, we're sponsored by a couple people. Let me tell you, tell you about the people. We're sponsored by Hemp Bombs. Hempbombs.com, promo code AATBirds, 20% off. 99jersey.com, AATBirds for 20% off a discount. That's where you get all of your, your movie jerseys. So check that out. We're going to talk about Manscaped in a second. I'm going to do the whole commercial so you guys can hear my lovely voice narrating, talking about your testicles. Um, and, of course, don't forget the uh, All About the Bird shop, AATBirds.com slash shop, where you can buy all of our wonderful – wonderful uh, material. So here's some fair, there, this is the nobody likes us. We do care stuff. There's some fair way to heaven stuff. Fantasy and golf show tomorrow night with Phil. Wednesday night is our Eagles. I mean, there's literally nothing to talk about in Philadelphia Eagles land minus trade ramifications. Jerseys. There's that and jerseys. Um, guys, Baylor's up to nothing. I just wanted to share. Um, <laughs> and then, Friday night is Birds, Beers, and BS with um, Jeff. Saturday night's the draft show with Johnny. So, look, all about the birds where it needs to be. Like, share, tweet, do all that good stuff. And as we have started to end every show here on Chips and Dish, we end every show with, you know, go birds. But as we end every show here on Chips and Dish, we end with, uh, I'm out of beer, so I'm out of here. We'll see you guys next time. Said. Support for All About the Birds is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. 
we have an exclusive offer for our listeners. 20% off plus free shipping with the code AATBIRDS at manscaped.com. Manscaped hooked us up with a bunch of tools and formulations from their Perfect Package 3.0 kit, including the Lawnmower 3.0, which comes with an LED light for a more precise shape and is waterproof to make your shower shave clean and easy. The Perfect Package also includes a deodorant for your undercarriage to prevent odors and chafing, a reviving lotion, a pair of boxers and a t-shirt, not to mention a travel bag to store all your grooming goodies. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code AATBirds at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code AATBirds. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Your balls will thank you.